Welcome back to Far From Perfect. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I cannot believe I had the opportunity to connect one-on-one with Dr. John Deloney. So John is a mental health expert, and we talk all things mental health in regards to how to communicate with each other, with our partners, with our children. I mainly wanted to get his take on how the collective men are doing. I work a lot with women, but I also know that our men are also hurting. So not all of you have men in your lives, right? Your partners may not be men, but you probably have some male friends. And I think we need to acknowledge what the men in the world and in our lives are currently dealing with. And then I also asked him about how our kids are doing. And I don't want to spoil it um, with his answers, but I will say this. We have some work to do and we all need to um, get a little curious and a little compassionate as to what everyone is dealing with in their lives right now. So Dr. John, which he'll probably kill me for calling him Dr. John. John is a best-selling author, a mental health expert, and the host of the Dr. John Deloney Show. Make sure you check it out. He's got two PhDs and over two decades of experience in counseling, crisis response, and higher education. He was a pure joy to talk to. His energy comes through, and he just helps you do life. That's what I appreciate about him so much. He's a regular guy, right? He reminds me a lot of my husband, but they've figured some things out. They're not perfect. They also struggle, but they open up. He opens up about what his struggles are and helps guide you through your struggles. So whether you have a man in your life or not, this is definitely an episode worth tuning into. I hope you all enjoy it as much as I did. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Far From Perfect. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today we are joined by Dr. John Deloney. He is a mental health expert, the host of The John Delaney Show, which I'm sure most of you are already listening to, and a best-selling author of Redefining Anxiety and Own Your Past, Change Your Future. Welcome to the show, John. What's up, Kylie? Or is it Dr. John? Do I need to call you doctor? No, 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 no. The fact that you just called me by my first name is way nicer than what my friends call me. So we're good. Yeah. John is great. Oh my gosh. I love it. So yeah. Give us a little, how did you get here? How'd you get to be this mental health expert? Dude, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure this out. I have no, no idea. Uh, I was, uh, I was working in universities and so I worked at several universities in Texas. The last one I was at was at Texas tech. And then I, um, was working at the law school at Texas Tech, and then I ended up out as the dean of students at Belmont University here in Nashville. And then I ran into Dave Ramsey's people, and then I decided to make quite the left turn and become a YouTuber. So that's kind of the, kind of the, kind of the story there. 
What a wild ride. So when you were working at those universities, were you working, like, who were you working with? Undergraduates? I, I, I don't know. Um, it, b- all across the board, all of them, um, depending okay. on what role I was and what university. But um, I always had my f- foot in housing, always had my foot in student conduct stuff. And then okay. that all of that ended up in student mental health challenges. And then it ended up in family systems issues and mom and dad calling and saying, hey, we're struggling and mm-hmm. it's dealing with crisis. And then while I was in Lubbock in West Texas, I, I spent some time with, working with the police department, also doing crisis response. So showing up and helping with death notifications and with just in the messiest of messy situations. And so, um, yeah, but the majority of my career has been spent sitting with folks when the wheels have fallen off and then trying to figure out what do we do next? Yeah. The reason I ask is because I always find it so interesting. Like I remember being in college, you know, like it was yesterday and they want you to pick a major, right? You feel, you have to figure out your entire life by the time you start, we are I don't know if it's your sophomore year, your junior year. I'm like, how on earth am I supposed to know what I'm doing? And then also, what I end up doing has nothing to do with what I'm doing now. <laughs> That's right. No, I, I had five majors and yeah, I good grief. I, my whole, my academic journey is a disaster. So anyway, it, it's all good. Yeah. yeah. And the, the reason I bring it up is because like, I feel like we put all these pressure on these kids to like, feel like they need to figure out the rest of their life when really it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, it, yeah. And I, I think, um, I can't get away from the data that says going to college is important. It just continues to, to say it's important, it's important, and it can be important. I've seen some studies that say it's important because you're around a bunch of people who just do life differently than you, and it gives you a perspective that when you enter the workforce as a salesperson or as a whatever you're doing, it's going to enrich that. Um, I've seen some studies about just the academics. If you get with the right professors in the right situation, it's really helpful. I, I think going is important. I think the tracks and the obsession – that and this is again this is my world so that my colleagues have i want everyone to w- love this thing as much as i love this thing i've dedicated my whole life to this thing you need to be this dedicated this is so important it's just unmooring to a 20 year old to be told well if everything's important then nothing's important and i'm just going to go to the bar right so i i do think going to college is super important and i also think man having a common sense that, well, that's a politicized word now. I shouldn't have said that when it comes to education, having a general understanding of how the world works and a unified set of skills, I think is incredibly important, but I would, I would do it a little bit differently if I was king for a day. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So, you know, one of the reasons I really wanted to chat with you is because in, in my role and in my company, I'm mostly working with women, mostly like high-performing women. Um, and so I know what women are dealing with. I know what they've been dealing with. For the last- oh, are you going to tell me? Please tell me. <laughs> Please tell me. I would love, it would really help be super helpful. It's a lot. Me. You can have me on your podcast and we'll talk about it. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Jeez. But I want to know, like, how are the collective men doing? And here's why. I feel like sometimes we get tunnel vision and we think we're the only ones dealing with something. And I think also our, the men who are in our lives are dealing with, with something, but we're not talking to each other, understanding that, hey, I got this going on. Hey, I got this going on. I have this going on and I'm not sharing it with you, but I'm resentful for you because you don't notice. So I want to know how are the, how is, are the collective men doing right now? Um, it's an absolute dumpster fire Yeah, and very few things. I, I, I'm just an optimist by nature. It's just stuff works out. And my dad was a homicide detective. So it either works out or then you just die. So, I mean, so that's a pretty dark way to do the world, but um, it, 
I'm pretty optimistic about most things, and um, but when it comes to the trajectory of men, especially in the United States, I'm 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 really terrified of the end result if we don't get some stuff right real quick. I agree with you, and like I am super super hashtag blessed, lucky, whatever that I have a partner who's into this stuff, right? Goes to therapy, talks like you guys would get along so well, but I know that's not the reality for a lot of men. So how can, like, what would you suggest if a dude listens to this and he's like, yeah, my life is a dumpster fire. I don't talk about it. What do they do? I think uh, let's back out a minute. So the, my dad, so my dad's still a professor. My mom is still a professor there in Texas. Mm -hmm. And so they're not out this isn't ancient history. They're still just teaching undergraduates. Mm-hmm. My mom, when they got married, they were married three years before she was legally allowed to get a checking account without my dad's signature. My mom, this is federal law in the sev- early seventies. It was 73. I think when the law changed that allowed my mom to get her own checking account without my dad's signature to get a mortgage without a man's signature, without either your husband or your dad. Right? So, we have to understand this isn't ancient. Like we just got to get with the times. This is my parents. The world has shifted underneath them so fast. Mm -hmm. And in that shift that happened super fast, um, and it started in the fifties and sixties and really accelerated. Women were told you now don't need anybody. You have economic independence. You have that last hook, you've been dealing with crummy, crappy, abusive, awful men for eons. You're free. You don't need anybody. Go run with the wolves. And they looked at men and told men, you know what? If things would just get back to the way they were, then everything would be fine. And so you've got two people operating on 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 not truthful scripts. And now, 50 years later, we're watching women circle back and say, I mean, the the data just came out the other day about women um, execs just quitting. They're like, I got all the way up to here for this. This sucks. I wanted, I thought this was, I thought this is where life fulfillment was. This is awful. And then you've got a group of men who are diseases of despair, right? And you've seen the data. It's, it's, it's upper class men who are dying. They're dying of heart attack and disease and suicide, organ disease failures, because they bought into a script that just said, just suck it up and keep going, just suck it up and keep going, suck it up and keep going. Most of the men I talk to want to know why their wives just don't like them so much and they don't know what to do. And so the only thing they can double down on is to be loud, to be vulgar, to go back to shame, to swing, to puff their chest up. Um, It was the great Terry Reel that once that, I mean, he, he peeled back the curtain for me. That if you look at, at mental health diagnostics, women have always been depressed, more depressed and more anxious than men. And what he said was, no, no, no. It's just how we define anxiety and depression. And men often express depression, and anxiety by puffing their chest up and swinging. So if you look at people in prison, which is mostly men, if you look at people who die in violent interactions, which is mostly men, the numbers almost completely flatten out. Everybody's fried everybody's fried men just show it show it differently Mm -hmm. and then there's the narrative like uh scott galloway talks a lot we've 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 outsourced all of the jobs that most men would just go get right they would go get jobs like at a warehouse or a factory those jobs don't exist anymore and then there's a leveling effect where women are smarter they're better at school and they can not smarter you know you know i'm talking about they're better at school schools are designed um 
in anyway, there's a, just a trajectory. Now you have a generation of men going, I have no purpose here. I've got no role here. Everybody says every problem in the world is my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm out, I'm out. And there is a privilege to being a guy that I can just say I'm out. And, and there's a checkout happening. If you look overseas at countries where men have checked out, it never ends well for anybody. So that's, that's a lot, but that's, yeah. that's why when I say like few things keep me up at night, that one does, that one does. Well, it keeps me up at night too, right? Because I see it. I see it from the female's perspective. And then I see them trying to change their husbands and then making, I'm the most passive aggressive person you'll ever met, you'll ever meet, right? <laughs> Saying these things that you know, we need to actually have a conversation about it. So it's just like, I feel like we're, the divide is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So my question for you is like, where do we go from here? Mm. Um, I, man, I've, I've said this probably too much, but I'll say it again. I think there's two competing narratives. And one narrative is, um, I, I, I'm going to overgeneralize this, okay? And so uh, hopefully the internet warriors won't get mad. But there is one what I would call a feminine narrative, which is feelings are everything. Mm-hmm. Go with your truth, go with how you feel. And you see this language like, well, our relationship just ran its course. It just ran out of gas and it's time to move on to the next. I feel this way. I think I, I, I understand the world this way. That's, that's what first narrative. The second one, which I'll say is a traditionally masculine narrative is if you have any feelings at all, you are weak and you are a sucker and you are a coward. Suck it up. Nobody cares about your feelings. Get on with your day. You have people to kill. You've got things to do. You've got meat to drag home to your family because everyone's still in a cave, I guess. Yeah. And obviously there are overlap, right? There's a lot of men who have who are overwhelmed with feelings and they don't know what to do with it. They don't understand that what happened to them when those kids was abuse and that their bodies are trying to get their attention. And there is a generation of women who saw the power that very few men hold and said, I want that. And they've spent their life chasing it. And they're, like I said, they're getting there and being like, hey, this kind of sucks. That's not everybody, but that's that's just a general thing. And what I'm calling for is a new third way where we have to get to a place where we acknowledge, hey, that hurt. Yes. I don't feel right. I'm sad. This is men and women across the board. Um, I'm choosing to have my feelings hurt because of what you said. You can't make me feel anything. I'm choosing to have my feelings hurt over this, and here's why. And also, our feelings don't always tell us the truth. So I might feel sad, and I got to go to work. Mm. I might feel this way, and I've got to go do the next right thing. I feel like you're stepping out, but it doesn't give me license to treat you like crap. Right. And so I think it's the new third way is we got to own these feelings and then go do the next right thing, both. And and that's going to require a new language for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think basically we've figured out that whatever language we were speaking doesn't work anymore. Great. We just need to learn, a, a, learn a new one. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely uh, <laughs> have our work cut out for us, but that's why I think it's yeah. so great. The work that you do. I noticed you have both male and female followers um it's kind of wild actually it's yeah it's really wild it is wild and like maybe there wasn't um a male voice delivering delivering your message before Mm -hmm. i don't know i think that's a lot and 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 i i'm fortunate to have i mean my whole background is working with police officers as my dad that's just the culture i grew up with Mm -hmm. and a lot of my friends were and students were military guys and i've so 
there's there's that culture. I spent years training mixed martial arts. So there's that culture. And so I don't mind looking at a 14-year veteran of a police department and saying, if you don't go to counseling today, mm-hmm. your wife is your wife is the one who's going to end up on the bottom end of this deal. Like yeah. stop hurting your children. So I don't mind telling a grown up that or telling my friends out who are just getting out of the military. You got to go see somebody, man. Oh my gosh. Um, and so I think it's it's a matter of looking at other people in the eye and telling the truth. And it's not for everybody. That's okay. That's okay. Um, but at some point, some some of us have to look around and say, hey, what we're doing is not working. It's just not. More people are in therapy than ever before in human history. More people are on meds than ever before in human history. And the trend line is directly vertical with anxiety and depression. We've got to do something else. we got to do something different. Well, and the other thing that just came to my mind, too, I feel like maybe in the past, the men that were delivering this message were maybe just a little too, like, woo-woo or out there. But you're like a guy's guy. You know, and that's why it, it, it lands really well coming from you. Gotcha. I I don't. Yeah, I never. I guess I never thought of myself that way. Um, it just. I guess it just works out that way. Um, the first time I ever went deer hunting, I with my son, I shot a big giant buck, but I'd br- driven my wife's Prius, and so we had to shove this huge deer in the back of a Prius, and that was a whole. So I guess I just don't care about much stuff. I have my same like five friends, and um, and my wife likes me most of the time. So I like it. Like yeah, I just don't care a lot about that. I'm I'm way more interested in in telling the truth and having people be well. I really yeah. am. So speaking of being well, the other day you were talking about sleep and I loved it. I talk about sleep all day, every day. If people just got some sleep, I feel like that would solve half their problems, right? Uh, more than that, probably. But yes. So, but, so there you said, love yourself enough to get at least seven hours of sleep a night. I don't know if you looked at the comment section. <laughs> people have all the excuses as to why they cannot get sleep. And I understand kids and newborns, that's a phase. But did you notice that? I, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Sometimes, unless I'm picking a fight, like what I posted last night, I was just picking a fight. But usually I don't. Um, I, I, I don't spend a lot of time in the comment section. Um, I Here's the deal, man. I, I've made every excuse you have. I've been so broke I can't breathe, and I've got to work a bunch. Um, I have a job that's 24-7 on call. I, had that, I was on call for, for 20 years. Um, I just simply don't care. You're not being honest with yourself. And so if you choose to not get sleep, great. You are choosing to be less effective. You're choosing to be a less present husband or wife. You're choosing to be a less present father um, or mother. You're choosing to be a, a, a less effective employee, a less effective citizen. It's just a choice you're making. And you're also choosing to probably accelerate your path into Alzheimer's or into dementia or into some of these other downstream things. And so you're also deciding, hey, you know what, kids? I'm going to make sure your 40s and 50s and 60s are awful. Yeah, because you're going to be having to deal with it. Right. So like, those are just choices you get to make. Right. And so um, I I mean, you can say what you want. And like, like the, the most common feet pushback I get is I got little kids. OK, that's a phase. Like you mentioned, it's a terrible, hellacious part of life. It just is. It sucks. It's the worst. Let's let's back out a little bit. Right. Those, those are three or four or seven or whatever hard years. Um, and then there is one more Netflix series that you get to decide whether you're going to watch or not, or there's one more scrolling thing or one more conversation I'm not going to have with my wife or whatever. Right. Um, Which is just a bananas way to do life. Absolutely. Well, and I find too, like 
there's always like one partner that takes over and they then they're resentful again for the other part because they're the only one getting up. And again, if y'all would just talk about this and like divide and <laughs> conquer, it was like, okay, I got them on Tuesdays, I got them on Wednesdays. But yeah, I love that you were talking about that. Um, because again, what you just said, can I just say this? What you just said is, can we just, yeah, we literally, I was just having lunch with somebody in town and we we're just talking about this. We will make a human with somebody else. We will make a person and we will not talk about what we like or don't like sexually. We will make a human and we will not talk about our finances together. We will share a human and we will not say, I really need you to be a part of bedtime because I need a break because I, I can't, I can't breathe anymore. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand that disconnect. My wife tells me I'm just weird. Um, but I don't understand. I, I guess the only thing I can think is we, we just didn't see our parents doing that. They were, most of our parents were trained to go have your fights and disagreements in the back room and so that you don't scare the kids. And what it ended up doing is robbing us of, a, a, of an actual image of people disagreeing and staying together and disagreeing and still loving each other. And so we don't know what to do. And we think conflict means things are over and, but we have to start having those conversations. And by the way, it's such a, it can be really fun to have those conversations and it can be so clarifying and peaceful on the other side of those conversations. Mm -hmm. If you'll just practice having them. Yeah, I know. Like, I, again, when I work with women and I hear the the work that they're dealing with and the burden, I'm like, well, did you ask your husband to unload the dishwasher? He doesn't know. And if I ask a husband, hey, why don't you do the dishes? You know, the number one answer I get, because I, I do it wrong. I knew it. Yes. I do it wrong. I just told somebody on my show earlier today, hey, you're going to have to be really um, at peace with when he does the dishes that he didn't do it like you wanted him to do it or like you would have done it. Be at peace together, right? Um, and that's just a choice. I, I want to choose to be right. That's the old Dr. Phil thing. Do you want to be right or do you want to be in a relationship? You get to pick, right? So true. Oh, my gosh. One day when I was living in Dallas, I saw Dr. Phil at the grocery store. It was awesome. <laughs> He's the goat. He's the goat. It was the Tom Thumb in Las Colinas. I'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of like, okay, these choices and these conversations, like when we don't have them, I feel like we're, we're giving away our power. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about this, like, there's not a lot we have control over mm -hmm. the economy, whatever, never, but we do have control over some things. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about like, what do we actually have control over in our lives? The only things on planet Earth anybody controls, it's it's a lot and it's nothing. Mm -hmm. It's our thoughts and our actions, and that's it, full stop. There's nothing else I control. I can't control if my wife is seeing somebody else. I can't control if my wife comes home. I can't control if my kid gets in trouble at school. Like I control my thoughts and my actions, and that's it. And that's a scary proposition, and that also should be a tremendous um, ray of hope for all of us who are stuck. I get to decide something different. Now, of course, there are people who are being abused. Of course, there are people that society is kicked to the margins and 100%. Um, but for the majority of us, we get to decide most of the challenging things that are happening to us in our life. And let's be honest, um, you work with women. The, the, the data says women who finally say enough with the abuse and leave, their net worth goes down and his goes up. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a, a data point. Mm -hmm. Um, that doesn't mean you're not worth being safe and you're not being worth being well. 
right? Yeah. And um, so it, it's it, everyone's got hard choices to make. Everyone's got some really messy things, but all we can control is our thoughts and our actions, and that's it. And if we would spend all of the energy we spend trying to control everybody else on that, dude, you're talking about a transformed world right there. Right. I, I was just thinking about that as you were saying that out loud. So if that's really what all I have control over, that's where I'm going to put all my energy. Why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. It's got the best return. Exactly. But then you have to do something and that sucks, right? I don't want to actually do something. <laughs> it's the action that gets us. I'm just going to read another book. I'm just going to read another book about it. <laughs> oh, geez. That's a whole other, that's a whole other soapbox for me. Data has become the brand new Xanax. I just need uh, some more data. I need some more info. I need some more. Let's have another conversation. Let's have another cup of coffee. I need, let's go out. Let's go out. Let's go out. Yeah. Let's go do something. Just go do it. Just go do it. Go do it. I know it. So you're talking about like where we can like um, where we should put our energy. The other day you were also talking about space and looking for space in your calendar. Um, can you just expand on that space in your life? Why is that so important? Um, there's some really remarkable literature about the role clutter plays in anxiety. And that got me interested. Like I had never considered that before. And I'm a pretty anxious guy. And my dad was raised by a World War II vet who straightened out nails during the Great Depression because they had to. They couldn't just go to the store and get more nails because they didn't have any money. And be before World War II, you're talking about an entire human history where we were designed for when there is a problem, get more because the world was based on scarcity. And so all of our brain chemistry is designed for consumption to go get. Mm -hmm. And so you have brain chemistry and then you've got those of us raised one or two generations removed from the great depression. Mm -hmm. And we consume like crazy. And I look around my house and I have 5,000 books on my bookshelves, half of which I read. And I just ordered some more. I just ordered more Kylie. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a great, um, it's a, it's a old Japanese proverb. The guy talks about um, every inanimate object you have in your home is having a conversation with you at all times. Oh. So you walk into your closet. Those clothes are, are talking to you. Hey, why aren't you wearing us? Mm -hmm. Did you put on too much weight? Oh, or you got, are, you're not wearing us because he doesn't like us? Is that why? Um, hey, why aren't, are you not exercising anymore? Just let us know and we'll just be quiet. And then you go into your bookshelves and you're just like, oh, you're just not going to read us because you are you want to be stupid? Is that is that it? Or you're just too smart for us, right? Our, our inanimate objects, our dishes are talking to us. Oh, you're just going to leave us here because you're a lazy mom and you don't, you're, you're too tired? Is that the deal? Mm -hmm. um, so we are surrounded by so much crap and it just buries us. And then as I went down the margin rabbit hole, I started, you know, obviously I work at Ramsey Solutions and like debt buries people and financial margin is negative. It's zero. And I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt. In fact, I'm working with some doctoral students on these studies. Your frontal lobe can know I got a great deal on this car. It's 0% financing for seven years. It's a great deal. Your amygdala knows that Toyota Motor Company is deciding what you do tomorrow, not you. And if you miss one payment, they take your car. And if they take your car, you don't eat. And we are not safe. And your body's not going to let you sleep because it knows you can't fully go under because you are this close. You're one inch away from being homeless. And we don't think about that when we just go put it on the card and put it on the card and, and get a great APR and go try to buy a, like a house we can't afford. And then I got to margin into the calendars, man. And 
it, I, I mean, you probably experienced a little bit of it just trying to schedule like, well, he's available in October of 2026. This is insane. This is insane. Um, and where it got insane for me is I, I need to go see a counselor. I've got some stuff I need to talk through. And I didn't have any room for like the next month and a half. And I'm talking like an hour, right? And so I've created a world where my body is constantly rattling. I've got no margin. I've got no space. I have no room for a flat tire because if I get one flat tire, the domino falls and knocks everything over for the next few months. And so there's this search for freedom, right? It's this choice. I'm going to choose freedom over um, making sure my kid is in 14 different travel sports. I'm going to choose freedom over making sure I don't have the latest depreciating assets sitting in my driveway 23 out of the 24 hours a day and losing value uh, just sits there, but it sure looks shiny for the neighbors. Um, I'm going to choose freedom over a 4,500 square foot house when a 2,500 square foot house will do great. Um, I'm just choosing freedom and our body's alarm systems will stop ringing off the hook. So that, that was my impulse and I ended up in a whole new book that I just turned, I'm turning the manuscript in at the end of this week, actually. But it's, it's a, um, about we have, our, we've created anxious lives for ourselves and then we're pissed off that we're anxious all the time, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we have to change how we live, man. Yeah, totally. I know like, you know, when people ask you, what's your definition of success? For me, it is that space. I have to have space. I can't function if I don't have space. Like I'm a creator. I create things. I can't create if I'm jam packed. Right. So that's, I've learned that for myself, but it's counter culture. (laughs) It's, it's, um, it's madness. We've created a world that our bodies can't exist in. And it's just, it's just madness. Well, and I feel like that was one of the gifts that COVID gave us. People, I had a lot of people that thrived, right? They didn't have to drive an hour to the office. They didn't have to like pack all their food for the day. They didn't have to go to sports, tournaments, travel. They reached their weight loss goals. They Like they found <laughs> until they had to go back to the office and then everything moved double time. And, and can I, can I tell you what I, I, I think there was, there was definitely a time thing there, but can I tell you what I think that, one of the big the big gifts was what it was a, a quieting of the constant bombardment of comparison oh yeah nobody cares what my car is when it's parked in my driveway because i don't go anywhere yeah. nobody cares what outfits i'm wearing or what clothes i'm wearing or what cell phone version i have or what fill in the blank or what kind of special cleats my kid has at whatever soccer game that we're playing five hours away from where we live and my kid's nine or whatever yeah. Nonsense. We've dragged them around. Like it, it's, um, I think our bodies had a chance to breathe mm-hmm. and to get out of this constant. Are you enough? Are you enough? Are you enough? Are you enough? And then when we went back, man, it came, it came on full force, man. Full force. It yeah. came on full force. Do you think, are, so you, you know this because of like your work with Ramsey. I think I know the answer, but are people living beyond their means? Um, yeah. In a, in a, in a absurdly catastrophic way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, they said it's the, it's the lowest amount of household savings, um, except for one other time in recorded history. Wow. And, and what, what we saw at Christmas was, a why I was at the best Christmas ever retail wise. People just went crazy, bought everything, but the amount of credit card debt increased exponentially what that tells us is not that people aren't getting in more and more debt because because of inflation because things are more expensive things are for sure more expensive we cut out bacon in my house 
I would prefer to rub bacon on my face, Kylie. I love it. But it's it's like $85 for half a pound now. So we just took a break, right? And I got chickens. I live out in the woods. And so we got chickens. We got eggs. But stuff has gotten expensive. But what people are doing is they're using their credit cards to prop up a lifestyle. A um, This idea that like I'm going to – my scorecard for parenting is how many presents are under the tree or what vacations we went on. Um the beaches are packed this week for spring break. Like, I mean, people are not taking a break from spending, but they don't have the money. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, 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 you know, when your toddler just runs face first into something and you're like, ah, that sucked, but at least he learned. And then the next morning he's just running face first into that again. You're like, well, I guess he didn't learn. That's just what we're doing. I mean, we're just going to run ourselves right off into a ditch again. And we're going to blame the government and blame the other political party. It's not, it's because in mass, um, we have stopped taking reality into account. Yeah, that's wild. And I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now, too, because I'm pretty conservative with my dollars. You know, like I would tell my husband, no more bacon. There's no more bacon. <laughs> we got to cut back somewhere. It's going to be the bacon. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's so wild to me. But think about this. Think about the people you work with. Um, and we don't talk about this enough as a culture. Imagine your boss telling you, or the shareholders telling you, you're going to do this. And you smiling going, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> if you don't owe anybody any money, that's the life we're talking about. Yeah. And I, it's not an outlandish, crazy thing. I saw what I saw today, 50% of people in the United States, I think, have 50% or less, 50% um, uh, or more equity in their homes. I didn't realize that many people had paid off so much of their house. Um, so half of the people in the country have a mortgage have either paid their mortgage off or they have more than they are 50% or more paid off. Mm -hmm. And so these are your neighbors who don't owe any money on their cars. You just think they do. You think that everybody has a car payment. You think that everybody has credit card. They don't, they just don't, this is not right. And you're talking about a transformation of the energy, the, the, the ethos in your home. Imagine not owing anybody when, Hey, let's, I'm just gonna say this. I don't want to kick anybody while they're down. When our air conditioner broke, I think it was this past summer. And again, I worked for Dave Ramsey. So, um, my wife and I followed the plan and, and got out of debt. The most annoying thing we had to deal with was who had to make the phone call to call the air conditioning people. That was the fight. Not what are we going to cut? What are we not going to eat? What, who's going to not drive? It was you call. I was like, you call. I don't want to call. That was the fight. That was it. I love it. Think, think about that in your home. Yeah. And we're not rich. Like, we're not crazy. Yeah. We just lived like idiots for a couple of years and then just completely turned the ship yeah. in our house mm -hmm. into a totally new harbor. But all I have to say is we, we carry on all this angst thinking it's normal and it's just not. It's insane. It's madness. I think you just hit the nail on the head. Like, we think what we're experiencing is normal, but it's not. Yeah. And that what actually is normal feels so much better and so much more free. And oh, well, we got a work cut out for us. <laughs> oh yeah. You're always going to be employed forever, Kylie. Yeah, You've got work forever, forever. <laughs> well, so the one thing, the other reason I totally started driving with you, I already was, but then you had Lane Norton on and I worked with Lane for years. Lane's the worst, the worst. <laughs> the literal <Okay>. worst. <laughs> no, Lane's awesome. But like, so you're a guy, you have all the responsibilities, but also you take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. 
So can you talk about how like your perspective on that and how you carve out time and how important it is? If you think it's, it's in, it's in reverse to what you just said, mm. I have to do those things so that I can take care of the people I love. Uh huh. If I don't exercise, I, I, if you Google ADHD, my picture comes up next to it. Just, just, it's just there. Uh -huh. Um, and I got diagnosed with ACD, uh, OCD when I was young. Like I, I, I just have, I'm a mess. And so um, the path forward for me is one of choosing reality and reality is I have to exercise every day. I can't miss a day. I don't have to go Lane Norton style every day and grunt and scream and do all that yelling that he does, <laughs> but I have to do something every day, period. It's just, it's non-debatable for me. Um, I can, one of my mantras when it comes to nutrition is I don't ever fall off the wagon. Sometimes I will park the wagon, climb off and roll around in the mud and I'll be intentional, right? So my kid made some, my son made some awesome, I don't know, he's going to be a chef someday. He made some awesome dessert the other night. Of course I'm going to eat that. And I put ice cream on it too because I don't, you know what I mean? And um, so I'm not going to be an idiot, but also I, I'm not just going to mindlessly inhale and right. And Lane's been a, such a gift when it comes to that stuff. Cause I had a lot of faulty narratives in the, the, the fitness industry's nonsense. And um, again, it's like a lot of stuff we're figuring out. I, we've just been told to sold a bill of goods for a couple of people to make a whole bunch of money and it's come at our expense. And so I can't be the dad I need to be if I'm not exercising and eating right and sleeping. I can't be the a present husband. I can't be a good employee if I'm not taking care of myself. And so it's not a matter of how do I find time in such a busy schedule? It's I will do these things so that I can live into this busy schedule. Was that ever not the case for you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I just pretended I could be all things to all people and just keep running and gunning forever. And then my body finally said, I'm out. Like I'm the, 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 the story I tell, it's not a story. It's just what happened is, I mean, I, I, I grew up with not a lot. My wife grew up with not a lot and she was a professor and I was a professor and an administrator at a university in um, Abilene, Texas there at, at Abilene Christian. And, um, one day I was walking to the office and I just turned around and got in my car and I drove three hours away to Lubbock to a buddy of mine who's a medical doctor. And I was really privileged at that moment to have a, a close friend that was also a medical doctor. And I went, I, I just went in and said, I don't know what's happening to you, but I'm not okay. Yeah. And um, that was the first time I ever spoke out loud, like from my heart, not from my, I, I run my mouth a lot, but that was the first time I ever told somebody I'm not okay. And so I, my body just said, I'm, dude, we, we're out. We can't do this. And so I had to reverse engineer, what does a well life look like? What's a life I actually want to be living? Mm -hmm. And um, some of that was from Dr. Atiyah's work. Like, I want to go all the way out till I'm 85 and reverse engineer that. Who do I want to be at 85? I want to be that, that old man that's always going for walks and laughing and has, you know, like fishing with his grandkids and rolling around and karate fight. I want to be that guy. So that work starts when I'm 40, right? Yeah. That work starts now. Not when I'm 82 and I'm like, I think I should start doing squats. That's too late, man. Too late. Yeah. I don't think people, they're not looking that far in the distance. And I'm like, you need to be, because <laughs> it's going to be here before you know it, FYI. It goes, hey, it goes so fast. And here's what the other important thing. I, I've had the, the great blessing and honor, and it's really hard to sit with people my whole career, but especially the last five or six years that they come home and the person they loved more than anything on earth is no longer alive mm -hmm. or letting somebody know, holding a mom and saying, I'm so sorry that your kid has passed. Like, I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but it's, they're all, those are holy moments. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
we think we are hedging this bet. We think we're going to YOLO and live, live this best life now. We'll put this off till later. When later comes, it's never what you think it's going to be. It's never what you think it's going to be. So do it right now. Do it, like live the hard, choose the hard path now. And it has such remarkable dividends as you move. The same as you hear this when we, we hear this, like when we're in high school, like if you just put $100 in account, it's $84 billion when you're 70. The same thing works with having a conversation with your husband right before you go to work. The same thing works with turning Netflix off and having sex instead of, just watching another Netflix episode and then rolling over. The same thing happens with, hey, we need to talk about how much travel sports our kids are doing. There's so much stuff going on. Yeah. Like have those conversations in the compound interest on those conversations down the road are insane. They're just so incredible. They're incalculable. So do it. So, you, you know, we've brought up this concept that, well, this concept, <laughs> concept of having sex. Actually, that's a pretty great way to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> For some people, it's it's merely a concept. That's right. right? How do we... <laughs> I know that's a big part of relationships and marriages, but I also know I'll hear people say, even I've said it myself, I, I don't, I could just go my whole life without it anymore. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Why? What's happening? Oh man. Um, I think there's a, <laughs> that's a whole, we could do a nine part episode on that. Right? Um, a nine part series. Um, I think the, the best place to start is with what Esther Perel has talked about, which is we are asking more for the modern marriage than anybody has ever asked of it in human history. And as we have left tribes and we have left, um, we've just pulled the string. There's no more core. I call them myths or core beliefs, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but there's no core religion that holds everybody together, a master narrative. Everyone's just off on their own and they're on the internet and, or they just don't believe anything anymore. Or they go to church once a year. Like we've, th that's just kind of, we're untethered as a people. Let me put it that way. Yeah. And so we're untethered. We are all over the place and we're a culture obsessed with how we feel, how we feel, how we feel. Mm -hmm. And sex is a place where, Eros, right, where you can tap into the divine for just a second sometimes, and you can feel seen and you can feel experienced and you see and experience somebody else. There's something very special there. And at the same time, we are putting everything onto our spouse. Freaking Tom Cruise ruined it with you complete me, right? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm looking across the room and you have to be my best friend, a co-earner. We have to have wild sex into our 80s. You also have to be a great co-parent. You have to do everything perfectly because my whole life depends on you because all these other things are gone. Mm -hmm. And then you look at each other and you're like, it's a Tuesday. And you're like, well, you want to do it, right? And that, the whole thing just is awful. Yeah. And then the second thing she talks about, which is powerful, powerful, and it was a game shifter for me. In relationships, when you're first dating, um, the romance part is there. The, 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 all the body chemicals are firing and going. The attraction is there. What you're practicing then is safety. Is he going to call? Can I tell him this thing and he's going to actually keep it a secret? Will she make fun of me? Or if she doesn't like how I'm kissing her, will she tell me the, the way she likes Like right? So we're practicing safety. Is this person safe? Is, is he safe? Is she safe? When you get married a couple years in, safety is established. But we don't have any sort of roadmap for practicing desire for practicing sexuality, for practicing, for leaning into it. We just expect it to be there. I can't tell you how many couples I've met with over the years that are just heartbroken when I say, you got to put sex on the calendar after the first kid just to get back into the routine. And it feels like something's been stolen from them. 
And it's like, dude, Hollywood's not a movie. I mean, I mean, Hollywood is a movie. Life isn't Hollywood, right? And so it, you just got to be intentional about it. And most of the time, not always, but most of the time I hear people say, once I got into it, once it started happening, I, I was all in. I loved it. It was just the initial, I don't really want to, I'd just rather go to bed. Yeah. And so somebody has to have the courage to say, I really am in if you're in and it's like, okay, I'll do right. So it's a, I think you have to, we have to have a, as a culture begin to practice desire. What does that look like? What does that feel like? Cause we've got safety established and it's not a given on the other side of it. Yeah. I, there's a book um, by two sisters, Emily and Amelia Nagoski. Oh, they're, yeah, they're incredible. Yeah. yeah they're incredible. And that book burnout, they talk about it, right? It's, it's a drive. You have to practice it. You're not just going to automatically. Well, Emily's book, um, Come as you are is the single greatest sex book ever, and I, I recommend it to everybody. Uh, yeah. I think many women should read. It's just a phenomenal read. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's remarkable. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Oh, that's so good. So glad we yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, the last thing I'll talk about because I want to be mindful of your time. Um, this idea that you're not a burden, and mm. like the examples that you gave were like spot on. Me, I'm like, no, I'm not gonna ask him to take me to the airport. I'll just call an Uber. No, I'm not going to ask her if she could take my kid to school to all of these things. So I just want to get your take on us not being burdens or one, not being a burden. Yeah. The, the original idea from that came from Thomas Joyner, who's a suicidologist out of Florida state. Um, he's a, 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 just a brilliant mind, but he came up with a three-legged stool and I was it's when I was working with a lot of young people and there's a lot of suicide and suicidal ideation with young people, especially and college students. And um, I was looking for a better way to know, Hey, is this kid actually a danger? Are they just having a rough night or they just needed some sleep? Like, where are we? And he had a three prong approach and there's, there's different approaches and there's some people who have pushed back on it and that's fine. But one of the things that stuck out to me was, you know, you have to have means do you have the ability to, to die by suicide? Have you practiced? Is this something that you could actually do? Because every cell in the human body is designed for one thing, and that's to get to tomorrow and get to tomorrow. So if you die by suicide, you got to take your whole, you got to override your entire system to get there. That's hard to do. The third thing was the one that stopped me dead in my tracks, and it was what he called perceived burdensomeness. The idea that somebody else is not not only would, would you be stop, would the pain stop for you, but you in and of yourself are a burden to other people. You, because you exist, their life is worse. And that sat with me because, A, I realized I feel that way sometimes. I'm not suicidal in the least, but I feel sometimes that my wife's life would just be simpler if she had a husband that like, <laughs> wasn't so scatterbrained and was on time most of the time. And you know what I mean? Like didn't walk past an unmade bed. Like I've thought that I've thought, man, my kids would be better off with a dad. That wasn't such a maniac. It's just not like, Hey kids, y'all want to go. Ah! And if they had some more stability and a dad, they just like to watch the office and, and you know, prop his feet up. And then as I look back culturally, I was like, Oh gosh, we don't even ask our neighbors for eggs. We don't want to bother them. Like that's the most, like, I don't want to bother that dude. Hey, have you called anyone and said, you're not okay. I don't want to bother anybody. I know my mom's really struggling with this or they're struggling with that. And we get into this comparative trauma. Like mm-hmm. I heard that a lot in COVID, right? Like I got really, really sick, but at least I didn't fill in the blank. And then that person's like, well, I lost my job, but at least I, golly, dude, we just spent, we, we've just created this culture where we think we are just bringing everybody down. 
Mm-hmm. And I guess it's just, there are few, few, fewer gifts. Um, there are, how do I say this the right way? It is rare that a gift is more important than looking at somebody and saying, can you help me? And then being able to smile and say, I'm in, yeah. right? It's a gift to ask a neighbor for help. It's a gift to ask somebody, hey, can I tell you about what I'm experiencing? I think I'm being abused. I need to talk to somebody. It's a gift. And when you rob people of that gift, now, if you ask me to help you move, not a gift. That sucks, right? That's not good. Yeah, but anything other than going to the airport, that's that's not great too. But like, we have to stop thinking that our mere existence is a burden or that our needs are a burden. We have to begin to say our needs out loud. And that goes back to the previous thing we were just talking about. I don't want someone to think I'm weird. Yeah. If I, if I'm like, Hey, I want to try this weird sex thing. Yep. I have to, especially, I mean, if I, we, we created children together, yeah. you should be the one person I should be like, Hey, I want to try this thing. Yeah. And you, you should also be the person to say, I'm for sure not trying that, but tell me more. Tell me what about that makes you like, it feels exciting. Yeah. We sh- we've got to be able to do that. That's not a burden. That's a relationship. That's connectivity. Right. Yeah. And so again, I want us to begin to walk around the world and think, how can I provide, um, how can I give gifts to other people? Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's through my time. Sometimes that's through asking their expertise. Um, how, instead of walking through the world saying, how do I get really small and avoid contact because I don't want to be a burden? Mm-hmm. So relatable. I'm sure everyone can like relate to that. Well, I, I lied. I have one more question because um, I worry about the kids and it seems like you're plugged in. How are our kids doing? Awful. Whether they're college, fuck, they're awful. awful. Yeah, because uh, children absorb tension. Yep. They absorb tension. And so what they've seen over the last 36 months, if they've seen every pillar of a stable society crumble underneath them because the adults in their lives have acted like idiots. Yep. We used to like there used to be no question like the medical folks are trying to take care of us. Well, I have an email in my inbox from somebody that I care about. It's a friend that's like, hey, my doctor told me this, but I don't really trust him. And, I, and I'm like, that's your okay, then you need to not have them be your doctor anymore. Mm-hmm. We used to think collectively, hey, going to school is a good thing. That, not anymore, right? These teachers are trying to kill you, and these teachers are trying to give you bad curriculum, and these teachers are trying to and so uh, same with church, same with fill in the blank, right? Mm-hmm. And so we've got a group of kids that are just watching their parents unspool in front of them by yelling at the TV, screaming at these things, going on these, raw. Mm-hmm. and it's not the issues that are unspooling our kids, contrary to popular belief. It's the fact that the adults in their lives have lost their minds. Yeah. The greatest gift we can give our kids is peace. The greatest gift I can tell my son is not, hey, it's those stupid Democrats or Republicans. That's not it. The greatest gift I can give my son is to sit down and say, hey, man, there's some wild stuff in the economy. I know you don't fully understand it. I just need you to know I'm kind of nervous about it. Mm-hmm. We don't owe anybody any money. We have a small emergency fund, so we're going to be okay. But I want you to know I'm, I'm tense. I'm just tense. And it's not you. It's not your mom. It's not your sister. It's just big things in the air, man. And everybody's hollering about it. I tell you what, the world can implode and that kid's going to be okay because he looks at the adults in his life or her life and says, they got this. They're good. They're safe. Right. And, and that that's the kids aren't okay, but it's not because of the kids. Mm-hmm. It's not because of the kids. You can look at all of the kids, mental health. And that's a huge issue right now, 
But I think we're forgetting a core facet of children's mental health, which is the adult stabi- the stability of the adults in their lives. And we're the ones who've gone mad. Well, and that just goes back to why you need to be getting seven hours of sleep. You need to be exercising. <laughs> you need, like, do it right. for your kids. If you're not going to do it for you, yeah. do it for the kids. I know Um, I have my son in therapy. It's it's preemptive. I'm sure I've already <laughs> somehow. You know what I mean? But <laughs> the other day he goes... Um, he, he had one of those sessions where, you know how you go in and you don't really have much to talk about, like you've mm-hmm. been okay. And so he's like, well, I learned something. And I was like, what'd you learn about? And he's like, how to regulate my nervous system. Like, Sweet. Uh, cool. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to pat myself on the back for that. One. <laughs> Whatever I've done in the past, we got one, we got some progress. Oh my God. Oh, that's fantastic. Very cool. Well, I mean, thank you so much for your time. This has just been enlightening. Um, I love all that you do. So thank you for doing it. Well, thank you for your hospitality and for having me over. I really appreciate it. It's awesome. Uh, when uh, This new book you have, what do you have a timeline? Yeah, it will come out in the fall. Um, and I'll probably be there in Dallas. So I'll let you know when I'm going to be in town. But um, it'll, um, yeah, it comes out in the fall. I think August or, I mean, I'm sorry, September, October, something like that. And um yeah, it's, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this one. This is the most, I'm most excited about this project than uh, any of the other things I've been a part of. What's the topic? Can you share? It's, the title is Building a Non-Anxious Life. Um, how to just recreate the system here because what we're doing isn't working. Yeah, we need a system upgrade. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> I'll be ready for that. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I'll make sure everyone knows exactly where to find you. And um, again, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Kylie. You're awesome. Appreciate you. So much. Anytime. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. I had so much fun talking to John. I hope you guys enjoyed this as well. Definitely gives us a lot to think about, um, along with last week's episode with Jason Gaddis and then the episode that's going to come live after this one. It's also about mental health and you're going to see a recurring theme, this recurring theme of taking care of ourselves so that we can communicate with the other people in our lives. And that is just going to help us be well overall, right? This podcast is evolving because I'm also evolving. And I want to talk about more than just macros, more than just workouts. You guys, this stuff matters just as much. So make sure that you're giving your mental wellness just as much attention as care and care as you are your physical body. Again, look for John Deloney on Instagram, on his website with um, the Ramsey Group. I've got the, web, the links to all of his stuff online. Look for his new book coming out. Check out his old books. And if you need anything or have another guest that you think would be an awesome um, interviewee, send them my way. Have an awesome day and I'll talk to you soon.